Exclusive interviews with the guys on the field. Once I once I rolled out left, I saw a guy coming. I was like, all right, <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah, I got to block this dude. Well, I've had certain moments where guys told me, hey, like, this could be it. Like, what are you going to do after this? And every single time, I'd be like, no, this, this is not going to be it. The best of the best around the league. And just to be around those guys and see what it's like to be an elite player, man, it was definitely eye-opening. Greg Matzek goes one-on-one with your favorite Packers players. And welcome into another Packers one-on-one. I'm Greg Matzik, and over the next hour, we will get to know Packers second-year linebacker Blake Martinez and get the latest on the Packers from The Voice, Wayne Larravee. Heading into the bye week, Martinez was leading the NFL in tackles, but his roots go back to Arizona, where he grew up part of a very hard-working family. Hanging out with Blake Edmund Martinez. That's right, I dug up your middle name. Oh, gosh. Where, where does that come from? from? I've been trying to hide that. Um, so, no, that's I actually uh, take a lot of pride in that middle name. Um, my mom's dad, um, his first name was Eddie, so my mom kind of changed a little bit, Edmund. Um, my... Uh, mom's dad died when she was eight years old um, in a car accident. So kind of a lot of people say that I was a reincarnation of him. Um, he was a guy that was in the newspaper all the time, was number one on the sport team, captain, leader, um, did the right things and all that type of stuff. And, yeah, they always say, hey, you look exactly like he did um, and resemble him completely either um, physically or mentally. Um, personality-wise and stuff like that. That's really interesting. I know family means a lot to you. What was the Martinez family dynamic like growing up in Arizona? Oh, it was crazy. Um, my parents met when uh, I think my dad played Pop Warner with my mom, was a cheerleader for him. And they met. <laughs> Sixth yeah, grade? Yeah. And they kind of they knew each other from then um, and then were high school sweethearts, um, had kids super early. My dad uh, didn't go to college, ended up working um, extremely hard for my mom's dad uh, in construction, eventually learned the ropes and started his own business. And so growing up, it was kind of, I mean, I just knew, it was, I thought it was amazing. Um, but yeah, we, we grew up in a trailer home, those types of things, kind of moved around a bunch. Uh, my dad worked extremely hard and got us to where we are today, like just great home, um, great environment, those types of things, um, great area of Tucson, and, yeah, it's just it's been a crazy ride. Yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, how, that, how that gets instilled in you, right? You grew up in that environment. Everything that I've read about you after you were drafted by the Packers, uh, whether they thought you'd be an all-pro or, or a backup or whatever, th- there wasn't a scout who said that you didn't have a great work ethic and that, that you played – I mean, you gave it, and you put it all on the field. That has to come from home. No, yeah, 100%. And I think I always go back to the stories of my dad. He he was the guy that kind of instilled that into me every single day. Um, if I wasn't up past – if I was asleep past 7.30, um, there would be numerous chores for me and those types of things. And his kind of main purpose for that – obviously, I didn't understand that when I was little. I was like, why do I have to do this? Um, it was just getting a jump start in your day and being productive no matter what situation you're in. Um, whether it's doing your homework, making your bed, um, going and doing a one-mile run, whatever it is, just to be productive that day. Um, And, yeah, just instilled into me um, throughout the time. So what was your first job growing up? Um, I had a lot of them. So my dad, like I said, he owned his own construction business. I never really had a significant job. I've never had an actual job title. Like I never went and worked at a restaurant, never did any of those types of things. I just every weekend – 
my dad would take me on his work trips. Never got paid. <laughs> he always told me he paid with uh, food on the table. Um, so I'd go since I was probably 10 or 11 every weekend um, with my cousin. And we'd go and either repave roofs, take down whole houses, throw, throw it all away, um, pick up nails on the at certain pads that my dad was building, um, and all those types of things. So at what point did football kind of take over? I know you, you played multiple sports in high school and growing up. Yeah. Uh, athletics are a part of the Martinez life. But at some point, football had to kind of take over, and, and you had to realize that maybe this is something I could do beyond just you know playing as a kid. When did that happen? Yeah, I think um, throughout when I was growing up, uh, actually one – Interesting story about me is I I really didn't like football growing up and I did flag football um, was kind of one of those uh, key players on the team and then I became one of the big kids I was always just too heavy to play with my age group and do those types of things so I was forced into playing with I don't know ninth graders when I was sixth grade and it started making me kind of resent football and not wanna <laughs> wanna be out there um, and then as it started going on. Further and further, my dad and my uncle ended up talking me into, hey, try this one season out, see if you like it. And ended up going out there, hitting some kids and, like, making tackles and those types of things. And I just started loving it. I started, being like, loving being with my friends, doing those types of things, um, hitting people, uh, scoring touchdowns. And, yeah, I started kind of molding when I think I was 10 or 11. And that's kind of what I stuck with. Do you remember the first letter you got from a college hoping you would come there and play ball? Yeah, it was actually, uh, I was in my junior year in high school. I was sitting, um, I think, in my physics class, and next thing I know, I get a call, and it's like, hey, Blake, you need to come to the football office real quick, and it was Oregon State, and that was my first ever offer um, to school, and I think it was it was the coolest thing ever, because kind of going throughout high school in Tucson, Arizona, you're kind of like, hey, am I going to end up playing college? Am I going to go community college? All those types of things, you never really have a a sense for that and at that moment i was like hey that's another step in my my goals of eventually playing in the nfl and and it was, uh, it was a big moment when did stanford come calling so yeah that's uh, another interesting story um i actually reached out to them my mom sent them my highlight tape i made my own highlight tape my mom sent it to them they re like reached back out to my mom and said hey have them come to camp and we're gonna see what he like. What's what's this guy about? And after the camp was over, um, a week later, Coach Shaw ended up calling me. Um, I think I was on vacation somewhere, and he was like, "Hey, we're offering you a scholarship. We would love for you to be a Cardinal." And it, from there, it's all she wrote. So that that's a hard one to turn down. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, what was the camp all about, though, right? So you were a high school senior, I take it? or uh, I was going, Yeah, I was going into my senior year. Um, and so how it kind of went out, um, I ended up choosing between Oregon and Stanford. Um, and I did the same thing with Oregon as I did with Stanford. And I did the Oregon camp on Saturday, flew from Oregon to Stanford, did the Stanford camp on Sunday. And it was basically just a full padded camp. Both, both of them were um, about – six hours both both days um and you kind of just did a bunch of random things whether it's individual drills seven on seven um full tackling type things just to see how you move and do those types of stuff coming up next when i got there i was like hey i'm gonna be an engineer i'm gonna dive into this thing and i took my first engineering class and let's just say it didn't go too well choosing stanford it's after this on packers one-on-one 
Now, more of Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. Welcome back in. Packers One-on-One continues. I'm Greg Matzik. Getting to know Packers second-year linebacker Blake Martinez. Well, he played college ball at Stanford, but he wasn't the highest recruited linebacker on the roster, but... In time, Blake Martinez became the most productive. So you end up at Stanford, uh, obviously a, a very demanding university from an academic standpoint. Um, how, how tricky was it to balance, right? I mean, I, I, you see scandals in the NCAAs all over the place, right, yeah. with classes that are just kind of made up so the athletes can <laughs> kind of breeze through. It happens. I mean, it, it happens all over the place. Yeah. I don't think it happens at Stanford. No. I don't think it happens at Northwestern, right? So how demanding was that to try and balance the two? Uh, it was extremely demanding. I think when I first got to Stanford, um, I, I mean, my kind of personality is I always want to kind of push myself to the limits. I want to challenge myself in every aspect. And so when I got there, I was like, hey, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to dive into this thing. And I took my first engineering class, and let's just say it didn't go too well. Um, so I kind of dived into I stayed with engineering um, and went with the next best option, which was still a really hard degree, um, management science and engineering, and focused on the business end, but still also did the engineering portion. Um, but yeah, throughout those times, it was extremely tough. I, I remember my senior year, going into my senior year of college, wanting to hopefully make the NFL. I was taking max load units um, during football season. So I would go from waking up at 7, doing meetings, lifting, going to class, going back to meetings, practice, having class and labs until 12 o'clock at night, and I, it would be a constant cycle Monday through Friday. And I would get my, my sleep basically Friday night in the hotel room and play a game and then recycle it again. And it was just a, just a crazy moment. And yeah, Management science and engineering. So you have your degree in that. What, what do you picture yourself doing with that? I mean, it, it, when football's all done, and who knows, right? I mean, yeah. Football can be taken away in, a, in the snap of a finger. We see it exactly. all the time, unfortunately. So what what could you see yourself doing with management, science, and engineering as a, a background and degree? Yeah, and I think uh, my main focus when I was there was learning how to start my own business, how to kind of manage people, um, and obviously help me with football too. Um, but overall, I think kind of what I want to dive into, I'm really into nutrition, um, just kind of anything I put in my body, I want it to benefit myself. Um, and I think just being able to go out and step into the real world and have some type of impact. And I think if I can go into the real world and, and help people see the true self that they can be by just taking nutrition that much more serious and allowing someone to show them the, the ropes. Because when someone showed me the ropes, I was able to become a kid that ran a five eight forty and now runs a four six four seven forty playing NFL. Like, that's just the capability that people have if they just put their mind to something. When was the last time you had a root beer? Oh, gosh. Or Dr. Um, Pepper. Any soda. Something fizzy. I think my... Maybe middle school. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think it was middle school, like me and my cousin playing video games in my grandma's house or something. Like, just drinking soda pop or something. Man, what are the holidays like for you, right? I mean, there's a lot of food, a lot of yeah, spread, sweets mean, are all over the place. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, I still, I mean, I still have sweets and stuff some of those times. My big thing is breakfast. Um, but yeah, I think during during crucial points like football season, say Thanksgiving, Christmas time, any of those portions where you have French toast, you have turkey, you have stuffing, you have all this <laughs> great stuff. But for me, every single time my grandma gets so mad at me. She's like, Blake, 
eat a cinnamon roll. I made them just for you. And I'm like, but no, I have, to, I can't do this. And she gets so mad, but she's starting to understand. And I think it's just, just how serious I take um, things that I, I'm really passionate about. Um, I, I can't remember if this affected you or not, but I know it has affected others from the Pac-12. Uh, there's a lot of trimesters and quarters and different, you know, academic years going on out west, it seems. And I know it has affected players who have been drafted by the Packers to come in. Kevin King, the most recent example. You get drafted, you come to rookie minicamp, and then that's it. See you guys, can't come back till training camp because the academic year is not yet finished. Yeah. I can't remember if that affected you or not after you were drafted. So, no, so that, that was the, another main reason that I took the max unit load my senior um, fall quarter, and I was able to graduate early. So I graduated in three and a half years instead of four. And As so, if it weren't already difficult enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, yeah, so I basically took summer school um, all four years, or I get it, all four years um, from freshman year all to senior year, and it allowed me to be able to be here all of OTAs um, and not have to leave. Should that rule exist? I don't. I don't think so. I think if you if you've made the decision um, to either not finish your school or say I, I know there's some guys that have finished and still weren't able to. And I think in certain situations, if it's your decision to want to be here, then you should be allowed to. Coming up next. And they showed, oh, this is Clay Matthews' locker. Here's Aaron's. And then it was like, oh, there's yours. And I was like, <laughs> wait, why am I right there? Like Life in Green Bay and the NFL. After this on Packers One-on-One. You're listening to Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. We continue with Packers One-on-One. I'm Greg Matzik. Coming up in our next block, we'll hear from the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. Finishing up with Packers second-year linebacker, Blake Martinez. Had a wonderful career in the Pac-12 and at Stanford, and then was selected by the Packers in the fourth round. If I recall correctly, when you were a rookie... I came in, I think the first time maybe we talked, I was surprised. I thought your, your locker was right next to Aaron Rodgers yeah. for some reason. <laughs> now, typically in the locker room, right, the quarterbacks have kind of their bank, and then the tight ends are over here and the oh, receivers. Yeah. And You were right next to Aaron Rodgers. Did you request that, or was that just kind of where you got stuck? No, it was, it was unreal. I remember, I, I remember the first day I walked in here, and they were like showing me the locker room, showing me the training room, everything. And they showed, oh, this is Clay Matthews' locker. Here's Aaron's. And then there was like, oh, there's yours. And I was like, wait, why am I right there? Like, there's no line. I mean, there's linebackers next portion over. But you, I just am like, oh, interesting. And at first I was like, oh, wow, I, I didn't really understand what this meant or if it really did mean anything. But overall it helped me a ton because I was able to talk to him and communicate with him through just little things, little tips here and there, um, or just – normal life advice yeah it's nice you love put the cal stanford rivalry yeah, aside exactly. just for a, a moment just uh, a little bit. yeah teammates there that's a good thing <laughs> um i, I want to read for you what scouts said after you were drafted by the packers Uh-oh. would you like to hear any of this <laughs> sure he's just okay said an nfc scout not a lot of upside uh an afc scout i like him but he's not a starter another scout extremely instinctive always around the ball Finally, an NFC scout, very hard worker. He'll be a backup. Now, if I look at the stats here, you are in your second year. You lead the team in tackles, and you are a starter. (laughs) How do you react when you hear that kind of stuff? I mean, this is the day after one of the most exciting days of your life being drafted, and this is what people have to say. 
Yeah, and I think I think throughout my whole life I've always been kind of I don't know, hearing that stuff kind of gets me emotional a little bit. Um, but kind of going through that type of stuff, it's just like ever since I was a little kid, I've had people kind of write me off and kind of say, oh, this kid's nothing. Whether it's, I remember my high school days, I'd be in high school classes when I was trying to go to Stanford, and I'd have kids come up to me and be like, oh, Blake, you're too stupid to be in this class. Why are you here? And I'd have kids come up to me when I'm out there on the football field like, how are you a football player? Like in those certain situations. And I think that's what's been able to drive me my whole life. And I think like, I talk to my dad about this all the time. Like he was him and my mom were the only people that believed in me. I've had family members come up to me and say, Hey, when you told me you're going to play in the NFL and you were going to be a football player, I never thought this would happen. I thought you were crazy. I thought you were a cute little kid saying these things. And, and those moments triggered something in me every single time. And I think, Every single moment going, even in high school, I've had certain moments where guys told me, hey, like, this could be it. Like, what are you going to do after this? And every single time I'd be like, no, this this is not going to be it for me. I have goals. I have aspirations. And it just fueled the fire that much more for me. And even, like, I could keep going on and on. And Sanford days, I've had coaches say, hey, I don't don't know what people saw in you. I, I didn't, like, I don't know if you're going to pan out. You're, I didn't think I thought you would kind of shine more quickly than you have. All these, all these keep like piling up more and more on top of me, and I just, I just always had certain moments where either I'd talk to my dad or talk to my mom, and they'd just be like, "Hey, like you're there for a reason. If you keep striving and keep grinding and you keep looking at the positive outlook, you're a football player. You're playing in college football. Not a lot of people could say that. Coming here." I there's been ups and downs whether my rookie year or certain situations were yeah a lot of people probably thought hey this guy's I don't know why he's playing right now I don't know why this that this and that and you hear all these comments but it just like I said kept fueling the fire for me and I knew deep down inside of me that I was meant for something I knew that I was here for a reason I knew I could help this team I knew I could be one of the greatest linebackers in this league and that's my mindset every single day And I think that's kind of my motivation when I go through life and I try to instill on people that I meet is because if you have a mindset and you know what you're capable of, you're going to find it. No matter who says you can't, who says you won't, and who says that you're not worth it, that you really are. And at the end of the day, as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you put everything into it, then you shouldn't care what anybody else thinks. I went back and looked and... uh... According to Rivals, and this is when you were in high school, you were the 40th rated linebacker in the class of 2012 in the nation. Uh, I think a lot of people would look at that and say, 40th in the nation? Holy cow. I think others would look at it and say, man, I'm not 40. I'm better than that, <laughs> right? So it's all scale here. But I looked at a lot of those names, Blake, and there's a lot of cats who aren't playing in the NFL. There's a lot of guys who maybe had a year or two in college. Um, they either flamed out. Lost motivation, got in trouble, got injured, whatever the case was. Uh, the one name that did stand out was Reggie Ragland. He was the number one ranked linebacker year, high school, senior class. But doesn't that just kind of show you that you can have all the talent in the world and you know the rankings are nice and the stack of letters on your bed is great, but 
you, you really got to drive through it. it. It doesn't end there. It only begins. No, exactly. And I think that's kind of the thing. I do a lot of talks with kids back home or in certain situations. Even here, I've done a couple um, at the high schools. And anytime I talk to the kids, it's it doesn't matter where you started or what happens at that certain moment. It's what you kind of respond from it. And it's you could be number one recruit in the whole entire – I'd have a situation where I came in at Stanford with a linebacker that was the Buckus Award winner, and I was the three-star, two-star recruit from Tucson, Arizona. I ended up playing all of the snaps. He never played one. And it's those certain situations where you kind of have that kind of, I don't know, environment that you're put into, but it's how you respond to it and where you end up at the end, that counts the most. You're off to a great start, man. It's been fun <laughs> to watch you play so far. Oh, yeah. It's a big jump year one to year two, and it's been fun watching you. Yes, sir. Fair to say, coming to the NFL in Green Bay, it was a whole new ball game for Martinez. Coming up next, more on Martinez and the state of the Packers with the Packers' voice, Wayne Larvey. It's after this in Packers One-on-One. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Metzik. And welcome back to the program. Packers One-on-One continues. And as always, the second half of the program, devoted to the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, who joins us on the line right now. Hey, Wayne. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing well. So you just had a nice conversation with Packers linebacker Blake Martinez. We talk about a player that has made a nice jump here from year one to year two. Granted, there are some issues with the Packers' defense. There's no question about it. But the play of Martinez from one year to the next, it clearly stands out as a positive. Yeah, it really does. You know, he's playing at a different speed. It's because I, I think he knows now. He, he always knew what to do out there. He knew the defense. Uh, he, he's like almost like a coach in that regard. But I think you have to get to a point where you don't just know what to do, but you do it instinctively, and that's what I see in his play this year. You know, it seemed like early on in his oh, – well, it still is, I guess, early on, but you're number one. It, to your point, he knew exactly where to go. He could diagnose a play rather quickly, but then he'd get swallowed up by a guard. And it just seems like now he's he, he's doing a little better job at, at sifting through the rubble and, and finding his way to a ball carrier. Yeah, I think you're right, Greg. It's because he's able to anticipate a lot better, um, you know, where to go and where the play is going uh, primarily, not just knowing where he has to be defensively in that particular set, but then, you know, understanding where the play is going to go, and that generally changes where you have to go as a defender. So I think he's become a very instinctive player, and that's what you look for in a linebacker. Well, back-to-back games here, Wayne, the defense has clearly struggled. Um, Finding their way on offense with Brett Hundley, it's still kind of a work in progress. What gives you hope here now? The Packers are 4-4. Four and four. It's a short week, another division game, albeit on the road in Chicago. What are you holding on to here? Where is there hope for this Packers team the rest of the way? Well, you know, it, it's it's uh, tough because you look at what they're doing offensively, and they're going to lose Brian Bulaga, it sounds like, for the rest of the season. And, and so their offensive line was intact for, what, all of two games this year. Um, that's a far cry from where they were the last few years when that line was one of the best in the league. I think the hope here, Greg, is that these young players continue to develop, including the quarterback, Brett Hundley, and I think he will continue to develop. Um, unlike a lot of people, I thought he actually showed some good signs, um, especially when they went to the, some of that hurry-up offense, that type of thing. He got into a rhythm. I think he uh, gained a lot of confidence uh, in, in some of his play in that game. Obviously, it wasn't good enough to win against Detroit, 
But I think going forward, he's going to be a little bit better player each week. Um, you know, I look for the continued development. Uh, I know he didn't get on track. Uh, Aaron Jones, and he missed a, a block on blitz pickup, and that kind of took him out of the game. But I think, look for them to continue to develop him. And then uh, defensively, um, you know, I, I, I still think uh, Demarius Randall. He got beat on a couple of plays that he had really good coverage on the other night against Detroit, and I think he's a guy who's developing, and so is Kevin King. And King, a lot of people tell me, has a, a chance to be special, and they really need a number one cornerback. Wayne, I don't know if there's a specific answer to this question, but I'll ask you anyway. And I've watched the Lions game back. I spent some time watching the Saints game back during the bye week. It seems like time and time again when corners are lined up you know, pretty tight in, in coverage that you would – maybe uh, think it's going to be some sort of press man where there'll be some contact at the line of scrimmage. It seems like more often than not, the first motion from the defensive back is backwards. A classic example was uh, in that Lions game, Golden Tate lined up in the slot. Devon House right in front of him. I mean, right in his face. And not only was House kind of flat-footed and slow to react, but his first move was backwards. I don't, I don't understand why there isn't more contact at the line of scrimmage. If it's just not taught that way, I see other teams do it. And it kind of forces uh, the timing to be challenged a little bit. I just don't see it as much in Green Bay for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand that either, Greg, to be honest with you. Um, I see it a lot. I know Kevin King gives a lot of cushion, not necessarily at the snap, but as the play ensues. And, you know, so you're impressed, man. The guy's right up there defensively on the wide receiver. And then, as you mentioned, uh, the snap of the ball, and all of a sudden, he takes a step back. I don't know if that's the way they call that particular coverage, if they're showing some kind of, maybe they're showing man and backing into a zone, that type of thing. But um, I'm with you. I just don't have an answer for that. Well, and the secondary has got some talented bodies. It just seems like the chemistry is off. And I don't know if it's maybe a talent gap, uh, if, if uh, scheme issues, maybe it's all collective, Wayne, here. I, again, I don't know if there's a specific answer. These are the questions that I'm getting from fans, and I'm sure you are as well, trying to figure out what is the root of the issues. But, you know, to me it boils down to pressure. And for whatever reason, the Packers, who started off the season getting to the quarterback and making life difficult, it's really fallen off here with healthy bodies. And I, I just don't understand why. Way off, Greg. I mean, you know, the first three games of the season, in each of those games, the Packers had three sacks and numerous other pressures. It's not just the sacks, but it's the pressures you're looking for and what you're talking about. Get that quarterback out of his comfort zone. And yet, in the last uh, four weeks or so, very few sacks, it seems like, maybe one or two a game at most. And and that's really, uh, you know, the other night against Detroit, uh, the one sack came on an ill-fated flea flicker call. Um, they got very little pressure on Matthew Stafford um, besides that. So, you know, I, I guess this is the, the thing I wonder about as well. That's why you wonder, you know, does Clay Matthews still have it on the outside? Can Nick Perry uh, really become a pass rushing uh, um, person that he was a year ago before he suffered a hand injury? He's just gotten that cast off the hand now. So let's give him a little more time. But, um, you know, they need to get pressure from more than one source. I think Clay's been very active, but he hasn't gotten home very often since uh, that sack against the Bears that made him the all-time sack leader in Green Bay history. You know, and that's that's kind of the worry. When I, when I think back to the Super Bowl year, you had to figure out where Clay was on the field. You had to point out Charles Woodson, and Cullen Jenkins was a load on the interior. He could get to the quarterback, probably the best the Packers have had in a decade on the interior of the line getting to the quarterback. And, and now I, I just feel like offenses are looking at the Packers' defense and saying, fine, you know, whatever you got, we've got you covered. 
there's no one that really strikes fear, no one to game plan against. The difference-making capabilities just seems fewer than I recall here in the last several years. Yeah, well, you know, I think really to have a great defense, you need to have a playmaker, um, you know, a difference maker on each level of that defense. And you described the 2010 defense, 2009, 2010. They had difference makers on every level of the defense. And, you know, today uh, I think they've got a lot of good players on this defense, Greg, and I think they've got some guys who could develop like a Kevin King into a very strong and uh, maybe a Pro Bowl kind of player. I think HaHa Clinton-Dix proved last year he could be that kind of player. But right now... Um, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm looking for somebody to step into that role and really be a difference maker. Clay was that player for many years in Green Bay, and, and for whatever reason, um, you know, he's 31 years old, a lot of mileage, and he's not quite that player that he was in terms of making the big play uh, in these games. Well, you mentioned the offense. I want to get to that coming up next. There were some good signs on Monday night, but ultimately not enough. More on Packers one-on-one with Wayne Larvey after this on WTMJ. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to the program. Greg Matzik with you. Packers One-on-One continues here on WTMJ. Joined by the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. You know, you look at the stats, the numbers, Wayne, Brett Hundley against the Detroit Lions. Unspectacular, but fine, I I guess. He certainly didn't give up the game. And I do believe the reasons the Packers lost go far beyond what Brett Hundley did. But I want to talk about specifics here with the offense. The way that game started... The Packers in a 14-play uh, drive. It ultimately resulted in no points, which was unfortunate. That was all scripted, right? That's part of the script that goes into game planning. It's on paper before the game even starts. There was misdirection. There was read option. There were quick reads. It was decisive. There was a good rhythm and flow. And I don't know what happened to it, right? I mean, it, it, once you got beyond the scripted plays to begin that game, the offense turned into an at times under center power formations, right? No multiple position. It was it was kind of all over the map, and I was saying to myself, well, "Where did that go? Where did drive one go? The rest of the way, you didn't see as much of it." Well, you have to understand when you do the uh, scripted uh, uh, drive like that, and McCarthy does that. A lot of the West Coast offensive guys do that. They script the first fifteen plays of the game, and, and you're doing two things. Number one. You're, number one, you're trying to figure out, okay, how is the defense going to defend us tonight or this afternoon? And and that's number one. So you run some plays that you get a look from the defense and, okay, this is what they're doing. Later on, that will dictate what you against what that kind of a defense. So, you know, the scripted uh, plays, it's more exploratory. And so, you know, if, if you were, you don't script the whole game for a reason because you're, you're running plays that you're getting a look at what they're doing defensively to you. And then that will dictate where you go down the line in your second and third and fourth possession of the game. So, um, you know, the scripted and the defense is the same way. A lot of times the defense is just trying to feel its way as well against that uh, that uh, offense. And, and so I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying. Why can't you just do that again uh, in the second quarter? And it just doesn't apply in that regard. Yeah, I guess I just expected more, right? Fifteen days to prepare, national TV, home game division opponent, right? I mean, you just line up all the dominoes here, and they were primed, I thought, for a a, a strong performance, and it really left a lot of fans wondering, if you can't beat the Lions on your home field with 15 days to prepare, where's your next win going to come? And I I don't think it's an unreasonable question to ask. Well, I I would say this, um, and I talk about this on my podcast, the difference in teams in the NFL, okay, 
Take away the quarterback position, and most teams in the NFL are about the same. I mean, some have really good. There are about a handful of teams that have great defense, Minnesota being one of them. Okay, but most teams don't, and most teams are about the same. The salary cap, the draft, um, free agency has spread the talent across the league. Now, what's the difference? What do the great teams have? They have great quarterbacks. And, you know, that's the difference in the game today. It's that position. It's that guy. And he makes the difference. And, um, you know, that's what we're seeing. I think we see that graphically now in Green Bay. And you take the great difference maker quarterback away, and uh, the Packers are kind of back in the pack uh, with everybody else, you know, from a talent standpoint. So they've got to find a different way uh, to win football games now, and, and that's what they'll try to do as they move along. More on Packers one-on-one with Wayne Larvey after this on WTMJ. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. Welcome back to the program. Greg Matzik along with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. We continue our Packers discussion. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I hate using the Vikings as an example here, but the Vikings are very clearly a team that doesn't have an elite quarterback but has support to prop up every other aspect of the team, and that support really lies in their defense. And they've got some skill position players as well. The Packers lack support, but they have the elite quarterback, and that's clearly played its way out here in these last two and a half games. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you take Tom Brady off the Patriots today, uh, there will be a big difference in their uh, caliber of play. Take Matt Ryan off the Atlanta Falcons. How good are they? How good are they with him right now? Uh, they're 4-4 four and four football team as well. Uh, Deshaun Watson off of Houston. All of a sudden, they go from a team that might really wreck some havoc in the postseason of the AFC, and now they're kind of an afterthought. So... It's amazing to me, Greg, that, you know, I've often said this, that there's not as much difference in the talent level of the best team in the NFL and the worst team in the NFL. But now it's it's a little bit different in that really the difference in the NFL is that guy at quarterback for the most part. Now, once in a while you can pull off a Denver with their great defense and, and win with mediocre play at quarterback and win the Super Bowl. And they did, but of course they had Peyton Manning. He wasn't the Peyton Manning that was the difference maker, but he was a still Peyton Manning out there winning that Super Bowl. But that was a great defense that won that bowl. And, you know, uh, but most of the time you've got to have this quarterback that can get you to the playoffs and then a defense that closes the deal in January. And if you, you can't have, you've got to have both, okay? You've got to have the quarterback. You have enough offense to get to January. And once you get to January, you better have a defense that can stop somebody because chances are the team you play in January is going to be able to stop you. Yeah, and you mentioned the Patriots. They're a great example. You look at their Super Bowl wins, it was always accompanied by a pretty strong defense. Definitely great in terms of scoring defense. Always top 10 for Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, that's a system, right? That's a strong system in New England. Even with Brady out last year, they went 3-1. and They found a way, but, again, they were buoyed by other aspects of their team, and it's just... I don't know what that one thing is right now that the Packers can lean on and say, it's okay, we got you, we, we can bridge yeah. this gap, we can do it. And with the Vikings, it's clearly their defense. With the Packers, it, it remains a bit of a question, unfortunately. Well, and I just was hoping that the, it would be the defense that would step up, Greg, because as you mentioned, they've been relatively healthy on that side of the football, and uh, except in the secondary, but now they're getting people back in that secondary. Hopefully Morgan Burnett will not be out that long with this uh, groin injury. He's been banged up all year. And he makes such a difference back there. But, you know, if they were healthy and they could come, kind of develop defensively, uh, they would find something there and, and maybe win a few games and, and that defense would contribute. But, boy, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little depressed with the rest of you folks that, uh, um, you know, that we didn't see anything more. I mean, we saw a defense that couldn't get off the field on third down. That's what we saw before the bye. And 
I guess it gets down to this, Greg. It doesn't matter how many weeks you have to prepare. It, it matters with who you're preparing with, and and that's the big factor. And and you know, I, I can imagine they've shuffled the deck as much as they could with this football team, and and they're trying to fa- find a different way to win. All right, Wayne. Well, we appreciate your time as always. Packers one on one. You've been listening to six twenty WTMJ.